Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the ME7 podcast. This one, of course, being done back in England, our week in Como, unfortunately, over a very fun week it was. But we returned back to Medway uh, this past Thursday, ahead of two uh, pre-season fixtures taking part, taking place at Prusfield, I should say. First games at Prusfield in a good few months, and it was the visits of both Millwall of the Championship and Charlton Athletic of League One who came down to Prusfield and Unfortunately, results-wise, neither went our way. So we'll delve into those results and talk about the performances of individual players, some sort of nice patterns we saw, and obviously what we take away from the games in terms of what we still need, what will look good, and how we can go about these last couple of weeks of pre-season ahead of the big kickoff, just over two weeks' time from now at Edgeley Park when we take on Stockport County in the opening fixture of the Skybet League Two campaign. Also, we'll talk about the uh, big game of Guess Who that took took place last night with uh, the signing of uh, Shabrak Oji, I think is how you pronounce it. Apologies if not. Uh, Leighton Orient centre-back, someone who was influential in their season, had just gone, I mean, the one before that, I should say, under Kenny Jacket, where he made 40 appearances. And obviously, with Kenny being involved as director of football here, you can see the link uh, there that may have brought him to the club this time around. Obviously, last season, only 10 or so appearances for the eventual League Two champions. So we'll delve into that one as well. We'll also be talking about Scott Malone, see if there is a future for him at the football club. Neil Harris has made no secret that he would like the former Millwall fullback to become a permanent fixture in this Gillingham side, but also reiterated the um, appeal that he has from two in specific championship clubs who are after his signature as well as us. But there's a lot to go on tonight. Obviously, we need to talk about the situation further up the field. Also, Neil Harris has been talking about a lot, the need for reinforcements in the attacking areas. I think the last two games specifically have shown that we are really lacking in that department as of this very moment in time. Ollie Hawkins obviously due back for the weekend after a minor heel injury, but Lewis Walker will be out for the best part of three months. And that leaves us with just Hawkins and Nichols and then Sitole and Gabode, who are both likely to be loaned out. So, the obvious need for reinforcements is indeed obvious. But, um, yeah, we'll bring in our speakers today. Matt and uh, Lewis will be uh, joining me tonight to talk about all things jewels this week. Um, gents, how are you both? Not bad, thank you, mate. How are you doing? Oh, hello, guys. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I am coming at work, uh, driving my, my lovely gator around. Uh, yeah, we can hear a lot of background for that one. Uh, Lewis, are you still there? I'm here, mate. You okay? Can you hear me? Hello? Bear for just... I mean, I, I can hear you, Lewis. I can't hear Lewis. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you, Matt. I can't hear Lewis. Yeah, I can hear Lewis, but I'm, I'm guessing, I'm hoping other people can hear Lewis, but yeah, I can hear him, okay? I yeah, I don't know if we've lost Owen now as well. <laughs> All right, there must be some sort of issue. Hold on just a second. See if I can re-add Lewis back in. For some reason, he's not... I can't able to hear him for some reason or another. I can hear you, Matt, but... Lewis, can you hear me? Hello? All right, now I can hear you. I don't know what that was about. No, that was weird. I could hear Matt, but I couldn't hear you. I could hear Matt, but I couldn't hear you. There you go. Oh, okay. That's strange. But, yeah, uh, there's a bit of a longer intro than we were hoping for after that, but there you go. Um, yeah, Lewis, let's start with... Um, I know you, you, you weren't there on uh, on Saturday afternoon away for the Millwall game, I don't think, but um, 
I'm not sure if you watched it or caught any of the highlights at all. Yeah, well, sadly not not at the middle game due to work commitments, but I watched it live on the stream. Um, so I did manage to watch the full game. Yeah. yeah so what, what what did you think of the the game against against Millwall? I think it was one of those where Neil said it himself for the first half specifically. We looked like a team who had got back from a delayed flight at half past eleven in the evening on a Thursday night, and I think Millwall with a lot of good first teamers out in that first half specifically as well. I think we were really second best in that first 45 minutes. I think they controlled a lot of the game and they had a lot of the, lot of the ball as you'd expect. And we didn't really manage to lay too much of a glove on them in that respect. They took the lead for a Nisbet penalty just on the stroke of half-time. Had a goal ruled out just before that when Tom Bradshaw poked in. But the ball had been perceived to have gone out of play just before that. Looking at it head-on, I wasn't so sure that was the case. But it was... It was a game where I think we saw the limitations we still currently have in the squad whilst also looking as though we are still making steady progress at the same time. It's a bit of a weird one to, a bit of a weird line to straddle. I think you have to take into consideration, obviously, the level of opponent we're playing and they just missed out on the, uh, the playoffs and the chance to get promotion to, um, to the Premier League last time around in the Championship. And they're obviously no mugs where it comes to a good side at a championship level is always going to be tough. But from what you saw, what did you make of, of the performance in the first half specifically? Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Um, I think that you're always going to get that with games against higher opposition in pre-season. We know things can go both ways. But, you know, as you just said there, we're talking about a team who is one of the best sides in the championship and will have strong ambitions of trying to reach the Premier League this season. And, you know, maybe in few years we'll be you know playing with championship teams every week but not to be yet and you know we are at our level for a reason um we were off it in the first half against Millwall it was a lot of off the ball work which I suppose is quite good for fitness it's good to work on things from the defensive side of things as well um after two clean sheets which is good but games where you know the Como game was of a higher standard of opposition than the Dover game but you know the defence isn't wasn't tested as much as it as it was in the in the last couple of home games. So that's always a good thing. Um to see where you're at because it continues to work on partnerships and you know everyone always says don't don't look at preseason results and that's completely right. You know, the mentality is different, the setup's different, you're playing for something different and there's so many things to consider. Obviously it's not nice to lose but you know Harris is learning about his squad every week. Players are getting more minutes and legs. I imagine we're probably getting to the point now where he might want to give players 90 minutes over the last few friendlies. But, yeah, I think all we can take from that game is, you know, we're going to talk about the attacking reinforcements that are needed a little bit later on. But, yeah, from that game, obviously frustrating to lose, but I suppose you would expect to lose. You would expect to be the second-best team. And we, we did up it a bit in the second half. So, so that's fine on that front, I think. Yeah, Matt, and the team itself, we saw uh, home debuts or not, official competitive home debuts, of course, but home debuts in a sense for Johnny Williams and Max Clark, a second debut, if you will, for Conor Masterson in a team that was a few obvious uh, changes that you would pick out. Obviously, Jake Turner started in goal for the Millwall game. Uh, no Glenn Morris in the initial starting 11. Josh Chambers came in and started. Jaden Clark, who was very impressive in the game against Como in Italy, he started as well. And just Nichols up front on his own due to the injury to, to Hawkins. And then on the bench, we had Gaboden. Sito there as well, you know, players like um, Dom Jeffries, Lapsley and obviously Glenn Morris himself all on the bench along with Robert McKenzie. So it was a good sort of balance in the first team to have 
the team that started the first half, which looked to be the more competitive team on paper, if you will, and it was full of players who you'd expect to be in and around knocking on the door for the starting eleven on um, August 5th with some other players who Neil potentially wants to have another look at. I think Jaden Clark's one of those who is probably going to be knocking on the door to get in the first team squad more often than not this year. I think Josh Chambers as well would be another one and they both started in that game. I don't think either of them did anything particularly wrong. I think Clark was better against Como than he was on a Saturday, but again, he's still warming himself up to men's football, especially against a team full of professionals and great players like Millwall have for the level they're at as well. So I think we need to be a bit bit patient with him. Did you uh, did you catch any of the game, Matt, or were you working? No, I, I was lucky I was at the, ga- uh, the Millwall game and um, yeah, do you know what? I, I actually thought uh, quite shocked when the when the team announcement came out that I thought he might have gone sort of, I would have said more of a full strength squad, but I was really impressed with Clark. Um, I thought he was was brilliant, and yeah, Chambers I thought was excellent as well. Um, thought there's a good chance that they're going to be knocking around the first team squad. Whether they're going to be, you know, first names on the team sheet, I, I don't expect it, but they're definitely going to be in there around that first team squad this year. And um, I, I thought young uh, Bode when he came on was uh, was excellent. He had that great chance, obviously one on one with the goalkeeper. I just think you know he took a, an extra touch maybe when he didn't need to, but again. He's still learning men's football, and, and, and I'm really liking what I'm seeing from this steel squad at the moment. Yeah, Lewis, it was obviously one of those halves of football where, as I said earlier, Mill were expected to have a lot of the ball, as they did. It was a rash challenge from, from Conor Masterson in, in the situation. You don't really expect to see him in. You don't really think of Conor Masterson as someone who's going to slide in late when the ball's in the box. He doesn't really strike me as someone that takes that sort of risk in a game, especially we haven't seen it thus far, but he offers if we go into a Cholton game I think he was actually at fault for the penalty giveaway yesterday, unless maybe it was Will Wright I might be mistaken, but it was um, yeah very uncharacteristic of uh, of Connor, obviously we don't expect to say him to be diving in in that sort of situation, which gave uh, Kevin Nisbet the opportunity from 12 yards to take the lead for Millwall as he did so I get the top corner and yeah, I think it was just one of those halves in the first half just to round it off, uh, talking about the first 45 minutes where we just looked a bit leggy, I think, didn't we? We didn't really look to be at the same level of in terms of matching the intensity that Mill have, which is all we can really ask for in terms of, you know, we know they have more quality than us on the day and I think we just did look like a team who had been training in 30 degree plus heat all week. We looked a bit tired, we got back late and then obviously we just weren't quite up to it in that first half period, were we? No, we weren't. But yeah, like like I say already, um, yeah, we're playing against a team that's a lot better than us. A team, you know, two divisions above us, and they were knocking on the Premier League door last year. We were knocking on the National League door last year. I know we're a diff- very different team now to the team that was genuinely fighting relegation before Christmas. But yeah, I think you know, going out to Como is a big, um, big change of climate, big change of atmosphere. Um, you know, it's still quite muggy here in Kent, but it's not it's not thirty degree heat. Um, I, I, I don't know how hot it was out there. You boys were out there. I think you said it was like thirty eight or something coming. But yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's good. It's so many positives of going out there, and you know, we're so thankful to to Brad and Shannon and and Neil for and etc. for all the work they've done in making that happen and the the tour and how much it meant to everyone on the pitch and off the pitch. But yeah, I suppose a late flight and changing back to reality in England maybe was a bit of a um, bit of a reason for that potentially you know it's probably coupled with playing against a really good side who who are going to be competing this season and yeah it was a 
you know, not the best half, but second half we were a lot better. I thought first half last night we were decent as well. So, you know, you're going to learn things, but it's hard what to judge of where you're sort of at against these teams that are above your level. Well, it's a very good point as well, isn't it, Matt? When we look back to last year when we played Crystal Palace at Bruceville, we lost out 3-2 in the team that included Lars Wilfred Zaha who played that game. I think he scored a couple of goals and we only narrowly lost out in that one at the end. I think it was towards the hard penalty. You know, you look at games that on their own are standalone fixtures in pre-season. You can think, oh, we've lost both games to Mill and Charlton. We're going to be in trouble. We probably went out of that game against uh, Crystal Palace thinking, well, we've given the Premier League team a good game. Only lost out in one go. We may as well go and win the league. So it's all about keeping keeping in mind the main prerogative of pre-season games just for fixtures and not results, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, whatever happens in a you know in in the preseason, we we can only take it with a pinch of salt. You know, if we had gone out and beaten Charlton, you know, eight 0 that's no guarantee that we're just as you said that we're going to go on and win the league. The main thing with preseason is always about getting the players, getting their minutes in their legs, and anything that sort of Neil wants to work on coming up this season, any sort of specific tactics. This is a chance to be able to work on them, knowing that if you lose two 0 it doesn't matter because at least you've got a chance to be able to, you know, to, to get those tactics working. Uh, and and I'll be honest, I, well, from what I saw on Saturday, uh, on Saturday, from what I saw last night, I, I'm starting to see, I think, what Neil was trying to bring to this squad. We are definitely lacking just, you know, at the top end of the pitch, but I'm starting to sort of see what he's going to try and get out of this squad this season. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think this could be a very exciting year for us. Yeah, one person I really want to get on onto in this game, Lewis, especially for his first half performance, is someone who, like Matt says, where we're trying to play different ways we did last year. I think we seem to be a lot less reliant on the typical hoof ball that we used to be seeing a lot under Steve Evans and a fair bit under Harris initially as well, you've got to say. But I think someone who means that is less likely to happen is someone like Johnny Williams. I think every time he gets on the ball in his last two games, he's looked as if he's been our most likely player to make things happen. I think... We saw a lot of link-ups yesterday. I know we're not talking about trouble just yet, but in the first half between Malone and then Williams, and I think Williams and Lapsley had a good connection as well. They obviously have played together before at Charlton, funnily enough. And I think we're just seeing, sorry, but surely those little partnerships come to fruition. I think it's the way we want to see us play, really. I know everyone wants to play tiki-taka football across the ball, play like, you know, prime Barcelona, but we're in League 2. That's not going to happen. But we do want to see more free-flowing football that isn't constantly in the air. And I think... Someone like Johnny has been quite impressive in both games. I think he's only going to get better for us as well. And I think he's someone that's going to be key in terms of making us play that new style of ambitious football where it doesn't have to go in the air all the time. Obviously, sometimes it does when needs must, etc. You know, when we're playing with someone like Ollie Hawkins, it's a lot easier to do that, I suppose, by habit. But I think someone like Williams, who we've seen in the in the last couple of games, along with Malone, who will come on too shortly as well, have seems to have given us a bit of more direct dimension without having to have it in the air, which I think has proved quite fruitful. Definitely, yeah. I think we saw sort of back end of last season more and more. Um, we were trying to perhaps play with the ball on the floor a little bit more. Um, I think when people think of Neil Harris's teams, they think of a big physical forward, someone like Ollie Hawkins, um, someone, you know, you know, you think of his Millwall team that was so successful, you know, 4-4-2, get the ball out wide. He said in the forum, you know, we want to have we want to have two up front, play this sort of football, and it's a lot. It's one reason really why a lot. Of, well, I don't say, I say a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of people would have loved for him to have signed. But if Alfie May was going to join, a lot of people thinking, you know, how are Nichols and May going to work together? They're both quite small, small players, and you know, it's all what if. That's that's not going to happen now. Um, 
you know, we'll see which other strikers come in and, and how they work together. But yeah, I think it's good to have that option. Neil Harris, throughout his career as a manager, is often used to sort of target man, um, a sort of physical forward. You know, Ollie Hawkins is very good at that. You can have, you know, you don't just have to be great in the air. You, you could be strong, um, you know, obviously who comes in in relation to that. But I also think it's good to have that extra um, extra bit of quality on the ball. Um, a lot of the time you think of experience winning new games. Um, that's not to say the likes of Johnny Williams isn't experienced. Of course he is. But you think of back when we won the championship in 2013, you know, Leon Leg, Adam Barrett at the back. But having that bit of quality over experience sometimes is important as well. And I remember something that really stuck out to me towards the back end of the last season is, you know, Max Aimer was probably the biggest culprit of that long ball game under Steve Evans. And it, almost every time he got the ball, it was going long to Dane Oliver. And back in the last season, you would notice how he was passing the ball a little bit more. And I think in a way, that's one of the big reasons why a lot of people are gutted about what happened to Oli Lee as well, because he's that sort of player that has that bit of quality. And rather than playing perhaps chance passes, like, you know, chance balls down the line or into the channel or something like that. You've got someone that can produce a bit of quality and it doesn't always come off. Um, you know, he was playing out wide a lot of the time. He's probably one of the more apt players to play out wide at the minute in our squad. You know, you'd hope we'd, we'd add one or two wingers to the setup, but him century, I think, could be a massive, massive player next season um, if we can do that. You know, even out wide, you mentioned the Charlton game, him and Malone out on the left and Lapsley in the middle as well. Very, very exciting and some neat play. So I think he's a player that's going to get a lot of people off their seats next year and he'll be a very important player to our side if we're going to sort of be competing at the top end of the table. Yeah, absolutely. I think Johnny is going to be a very important player for us and I think we do need that natural wide player with a bit of pace and there's someone not exactly well, there's no example of what we need in terms of what I saw last night, which I thought I'll take that very much. But we'll go on to that in just a bit. Um Matt, let's round off with the with the Millwall game because the second half saw a plethora of changes from both sides. All of our other established players on the bench came back uh, into the front in the second half. Lots of Glenn Morris returned in goal. Dom Jeffries, um, Tim Dieng, etc. came back in and we had a bit of a mix between youth and youth and experience. Probably a bit more on the youth side as the half went on. We saw more substitutions come on. You know, Sitole... Um, Orgy and the um, Bode Chambers uh, Chambers got off at that point, so we're all on the pitch. And um, it actually came the last uh, minute or so. The Millwall second goal came from an individual mistake by a youth player, which obviously we don't hold against him as a youth player. But it just sort of petered out in the end of the second half, did it? I think once we took off a lot of the creative players that started the game, and we brought on more of the youthful aspects of our, of our side. I think it was a bit tough to create opportunities. We were giving away a lot of fouls, which comes from inexperience, but. As you mentioned earlier, Joe Bow did have one good chance himself where he uh, pressured the defender, used his strength. And that's something I have to say about Joe. He's clearly bulked up a lot over the summer and he shoved the centre-half out of his way, took a touch in, uh, to go on goal and it, unfortunately it was a very good save from the middle goalkeeper. So, although um, obviously we couldn't really create too much in the second half against Millwall, I think when you're looking at a young player like Joe Bow, he did really well at, um, I think it was Hastings, he was alone at last year, I could be wrong about that, but... It's clearly a sign, Matt, isn't it? Of course, he swept his uh, young player year award, uh, player of the year awards last year for the academy, and he's clearly trusted by Neil Harris. He played some of the games for us last year, maybe needs more than must. But I think the fact that he, he came on, put himself about, created himself a great chance out of his own accord, really, unfortunately, not to put it away, is a good sign for the future, isn't it? Even if he's not going to be ready for this season, in Neil Harris's opinion, it's good to see that he is able to put himself about and create his own opportunities. 
Lewis, you can take that one if Matt's disappeared for a second. Oh, oh hello. Yeah, there you are. Did you get the question? Hello, guys. Can you hear yeah. Me now? yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that Bodo chance uh, he, he had. Um, I, I, honestly, I just think you know he, he, t- he took a little touch, sort of one extra touch, and uh, well, I think he should have sort of tried to hit it a bit quicker. But great, great strength from him to actually get that um, get that chance himself because you know a lot of players wouldn't have, wouldn't have maybe hassled it as much. But he, he's really shown a, a lot of ability, I think, and. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming he's going to go out on loan potentially to, uh, yeah, hopefully to a, maybe a national league team or, or, or something similar. Maybe something slightly higher to what he was last year, because that boy's really got a future. And um, yeah, I'm sort of really impressed with him. And I think all, a lot of the youth guys that came on uh, against Millwall did play really well. And it's nice to see that we've got a nice uh, young group of, of talent coming through that that you know potentially you know are going to are going to be one of our own down the future and, and you know who knows you know we've been crying out for a 20 goal a season striker we could have one in Bode in a few years yeah he's certainly someone um i think Lewis should agree that Neil Harris has got a keen eye on whether it's going to be him playing a, a fair part this season it doesn't look as though that's going to be the case i think the idea is to have him out on loan somewhere the same with Ronald Sitole as well and i think there's a lot of promise in, in both of these players. We can see it. We can see how well they've done in the youth team over past years. As I mentioned earlier, Joe winning the um, Player of the Year award for the academy last year shows a lot of promise. Harris has always spoke really highly of him, but it does seem as though for now they're not quite going to be there. But I think these games are more than important for them to test themselves against high opposition and see what they can do. And I think they both struggled yesterday and when they came on the second half. But I think the game sort of petered out by that point anyway where we'd conceded those quick-fire goals. But... I think there is reasons to be optimistic about the, the youth players we're bringing in at the minute. And although, as I said, they might not be first teamers next year, I think there's obviously a lot of confidence they can take from being involved in these games as well. Yeah, it's always great to have the young lads involved in, in pre-season and be around the first team. Um, it's not every year we have a lot of youth players coming up from the academy. There hasn't been many in the last few years. So it's nice to have some talented players sign up. Um, I've seen a couple of the youth team games over the last year or so. Um, Bode is definitely a standout for me. Big fan of Matty McArthur as well and Sam Gale. And obviously there's a couple more in there too. But yeah, I think you can see the hunger with, with Joe Bode. Obviously, he played a couple of times in League Two last year. You can see when he came on yesterday, straight away, you know, he's in there giving a couple of fouls away, but getting stuck in, that sort of thing. Um, I think it always sticks out to me as well when, when a player signs their professional contract early coming up from the youth team because he signed it before the others, uh, the other the four, the other four in the end. Last year, it, it sticks out to me the same a few years ago when Darren Oldacre signed a bit earlier than um, it was like Finn O'Mara and Bradley Stevenson, people like that. And they always seem to be the one that stands out. And I think he's like that. Um, he might have a role to play at the start of the season. Obviously, we don't know... Um, you know, we're hoping Ollie Hawkins will be fit enough to start at Stockport. We're hoping, um, you know, Tom Nichols is okay at the minute. You know, we're hoping a couple more will come in. You obviously have to have that homegrown player involved in your squad. Obviously, last year it was Tate Holton a lot of the time to have that extra sub outfielder on the bench. But yeah, I think he'll probably have a role to play if the season was to start tomorrow. I imagine he would be on the bench. So. You know, in an ideal world, he would go out on loan. He'd probably go out on loan to a, you know, as Matt said, a national league team, national league south, something like that, and be scoring goals in men's football still. But yeah, he's he's a good player, exciting player for the future. Obviously, you have to be careful, bigging players up for the future, but someone to be excited about, I think. 
Yep, certainly is the case. Lots of uh, great young players coming through, so we'll see what the future holds for them. Um, yeah, we'll move on to tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow night, yesterday night, sorry. Uh, we played Charlton Athletic at Priestfield in the second of the doubleheader of home preseason games. We saw the team line up as follows. Glenn Morris came back in. Mackenzie Wright Masterson returned to the team for Sean Malone, um, Sean Williams, and Johnny Williams. Then Lapsley, Coleman, Jeffries, and Nichols once again occupying the lone striker role. Um, think off to the best start in this game, did we, boys? But um, it was a case of uh, I think we we played really really well in the first half of this game. I really do. I think there was a good sign that we need that number nine still. I think this game made it more evident than most in recent times, but. Um, I think we played some really good second football in the game. I think other than the first 30 seconds or whatever it was, I think we defended quite well as well. I think the link-up players I mentioned before with, you know, Sean, um, Sean in the middle and then you had uh, the link-ups between Scott and Johnny and then George as well. I think Tom Nichols as a lone striker played really well as well. He was hassling, he was harrowing, had a good few uh, opportunities that he couldn't quite make the most of. Good saves in there as well from former Gillingham legend Ashley Maynard Brewer. And I think on another day, it could have been one where we were able to get in front in the first half and then maybe after that it's a, it's a different game. I think the result 3-1 isn't really um, reflective of the performance in my opinion. I don't think it's a 3-1 game at all but thankfully it is only pre-season so as we say the results aren't really significant. It's all about the performance and Matt I think in terms of the performance itself especially in that first half other than the first 15-20 seconds or so I think the performance in that first 45 was really promising wasn't it? Yeah, I, th- I thought we played really well yesterday uh, in that first half. Um, uh, cracking free kick by uh, Will Wright, I've got to say that. Um, but, uh, you know, this is key. Whenever you start a football game, you need to be sh- uh, switched on. And I think it was uh, Alfie May flick, uh, flicked it through for their uh, their striker to get through and, and score a goal. Just, you know, you need to wake up that bit. But it was a well-taken goal and you've got to be alive, though, from the, from the very first whistle. But after the first goal went in, I thought we came back really strong. I thought we played absolutely uh, at our skins. Uh, there was a couple of crosses by Malone that I thought were, were absolutely uh, pinpoint. And, you know, look, if we had somebody like the Dane Oliver, Tommy's in there, somebody, who knows, we might have uh, got that, uh, got a, a couple of goals up maybe before half time. I just thought we were so, so much the better team. And then second half happened, two quick goals by them. And, I think that kind of killed the game off and it sort of turned then into a bit of a nothing game after that. Yeah, it did. I think in, in the first half, as, as we said, Lewis we went behind early doors. Uh, there was a great ball in behind from uh, some random Charlton player I've never heard of who then uh, put it through for someone else who scored. And I think after that, when you can see that early, even in pre-season, it puts a little bit of a damper on the mood. But I think we, we did respond really, really well. I think we had a lot of great uh, opportunities and great because a lot of great areas especially down that left hand side as I mentioned with, with Malone and Williams I thought they intertwined very very well Nichols I think again we saw I think it was a Stockport game off the top of my head last year where he played up front with his own due to injury to Hawkins he, he held the line really really well he did all he could and I think it was another great performance from him obviously he's, he'd have to do a lot of work hard work on his own in those last couple of games with only youth players available behind him in terms of striking options with Hawkins still nursing that heel injury but I think Nico, again, we always know he's going to give 100% and he did that again yesterday. And obviously we should talk about the free kick from Will Wright around 25, 30 uh, yards out. Curled into the, the top right-hand corner. Excellent free kick. We've seen him do it once before, I think, last season in the uh, Pepperoni Passion Trophy against um, Brighton's kids, I think it was off the top of my head. And 
we know Will's got that in his locker. He's got good set piece deliveries. It's been one of his better assets, I think, since since he's been here. And it was a goal that not only we deserved on the balance of play, but it was a wonderful strike to give us give us parity in the game, wasn't it? Yeah, I love the um, the sort of dry humour. I mean, very good. But yeah, no, it was it was a good first half. I think us being the better team is a very fair assessment. Um, obviously, it's a very slow start, frustrating start. Um, you know, you probably pick bones out of that. Whether it was just a positioning thing, whether it was not being turned on at the start, I'm sure. I'm sure the guys will break it down. But yeah, there was some really good play. Harris spoke about wanting to play two up front. Uh, he probably can't at the minute unless he wants to play Bode up there or play someone out of position, which is probably unlikely. So we're making the most out of it with this sort of five-man midfield and players that are very good on the ball. Sean Williams is good on the ball. Um, Ethan Coleman looks after the ball very well, I think. Um, I'm not sure how much we'll see Williams and Coleman play together, but I think knowing the other one's there allows the other one to go forward a little bit more and be a little bit more adventurous. But yeah, Williams playing on the left, like I said earlier on, is probably not his best position. Probably not where he wants to be playing. Um, but I thought he did very well. You could tell him and Scott Malone have got that little bit of quality about them. You can tell they've played higher. You can tell they've played in good football teams. Um, and George Lapsley as well getting involved when he can, who probably a big season for him. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good first half uh, with Will Wright, a brilliant free kick on on the sort of right-hand side. Maybe people thought that the left footer would take it potentially, but yeah, we know his, his quality from, from dead balls. It's kind of weird really when, you know, you think about Will Wright, it's probably a minor thing to consider based on things approaching the season, but Will Wright is probably, it's a bit of an interesting case, you know, he could be a good footballer. Um, he hasn't really locked down a position yet. You know, he was brought in as a sort of right side of centre-half. He played right back, played centre-back. Um, got a brilliant set-piece delivery. Got a brilliant open-play delivery. And, you know, if he could work his way in, that would be fantastic as well. But he's got to prove himself. But, yeah, from a dead ball, you can't you can't question his quality. And he showed that. And it was a very, very, very good first half. Um, like Matt says, two quick goals killed the game. Then everyone's making changes. in the last sort of 20 minutes or so, it sort of died out. But... Really enjoyed it um, for the first 70 minutes or so. I thought it was a good showing and a positive showing as well. Yeah, I think throughout the vast majority of the game, Matt, before, obviously, as Lewis mentioned there, the changes were rung and, you know, we had that lapse in concentration where we conceded those two goals in quick succession. I think we, generally speaking, played quite well throughout the game up until that point. I think there was a lot of positive signs. I think there's a lot of fluidity in our play. As we mentioned earlier, in terms of individuals, Malone, Williams, Lapsley, Nichols, I thought were all very good. Uh, Coleman again doing well to keep his name in the hat in terms of a starting place at Stockport. Um, yeah, I think Jeffries as well off the right, not his natural position, but I think he, he again did well as well. And he's been one of those who's uh, obviously come under a lot of praise uh, since the Como trip for giving us that goal, which made the trip so brilliant. And uh, yeah, I think I think in all in all honesty, I think we just are lacking that killer edge, and we'll come on to that in just a second because I think in that. First half specifically, if we had, you know, a bit more of a poacher, if you like, a bit more of someone you can depend on to be in that right position at the right time, we may may well have got another one or two goals in that first half, and it's a it's a different game. But um, yeah, as Lewis said, into the second half, um, we had a, you know, let's be honest, a really really good goal that we conceded from uh, Corey Blackett Taylor. When I talked earlier about the type of winger I want, who's has something that I'd like, he's definitely that caliber. You know, it's a direct run. 
Mackenzie maybe dropped off a little bit, but I think even so, it's just the speed and the directness of the run to open up his body up and curl it into the far corner past Glenn Morris. It's just one of those traits that good wingers at this level have and a level above where they can just take on a man, pick their spot, and you know, it's past in the blink of an eye, I think, in terms of attacking players and wingers, that's someone I'd like to get in, not him specifically. I mean, well, I would, of course, but realistically, someone like him of that calibre that we could potentially uh, bring to Freestyle, I think would make a massive difference in our attacking play, especially on the counter-attacks as well, because we've had wide players in the past couple of seasons in terms of Maka and, you know, Johnny at the minute, they're not the paciest and also they're not natural wide players, I wouldn't say. So I think we would benefit from having... Someone like that in terms of someone who can do the sort of things that he can do and at the directness of it as well, I think was really impressive. And then just a minute or so later, it was uh, Jack Payne who uh, put Charlton Free went up. A little bit of a scramble in the box and he finished that one off. And then Glenn Morris saved the penalty um, from Alfie May, which was nice, I suppose. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, really take as much jubilation from it as others might have done. But you know, it's always good for, for Glenn's confidence to, to get that save under the booking uh, you know, nothing circumstance when you think about it, but it's good to get the confidence up as well. But um, yeah, Matt, in terms of a standout player from from last night, is there anyone that comes to mind for you? Oh, Matt's gone again. Uh, Lewis, in that case, let's um, let's talk about Scott Malone. If you're still there as well, are you? I'm still here, mate. Okay, good. I think Matt's having a few issues tonight. Um, yeah, let's talk about Scott Malone and the uh, current situation of him before we move on to the signing. We did confirm yeah, last night. Um, he's obviously been with the group just before the Como trip, I believe. And he's someone that when we first saw his involvement in terms of being trained with the team, we all sort of at first assumed that it would be the link between him and Harris being at Cardiff together, maybe he's just doing him a favour. He was actually in my list of targets in the... Um, I think it was the first one I said, actually, in... Um, the list we did we gave probably like a month or month and a half ago now, a long time, but I don't really see it as that much of a realistic option. I thought it'd just be one that would be a bit of a coup for this level, but I suppose the longer he sticks around, you'd have to argue that the more likely it is he is going to end up here. We thought maybe it might be dead and buried after him not um, making the appearance in the Millwall game, but I suppose that's just down to that being against the club he just got released by. I didn't want to play that one, which is fair enough, I suppose. And obviously he made the trip to Italy with us, but... Um, yeah, he was involved again yesterday. I think you can see the calmness he brings to the back four of that experience. Someone who's played a lot of games in the Championship, games in the Premier League as well. And I think for this level, we have Max Clark in now, who's obviously one promotion from this division playing left back last year with Stevenage. And I think there's going to be a lot of competition if Malone is to, is to sign, but also Malone can play as a wider midfielder as well, which obviously adds to the versatility for him and makes him an even better option as well. But I think in terms of in terms of Scott and what he brings to the team for what we've seen so far, I think the leadership is much needed. We need players, like you mentioned earlier, Lewis, where you want a team that's going to go for promotion. You need experienced heads in there. I think Malone would definitely fit that bill accordingly. And I think he just brings us a lot of quality. We've seen his link up already with Johnny Williams on that side and the sort of balls he can play in, either dead ball or live balls that he can put into the box and cause problems for others. And I think he'd be a really astute, uh, signing for this level. There are rumours going around that he has signed the contract. We don't know that, just to stress, but that's what the rumour mill is saying at this moment in time. And I think, like I just said, there is the fact that he's still here a couple of weeks weeks on and he's been on the trip across um, to Italy with us. I, I think there's good signs, perhaps, not wanting to get ahead of myself, that this might be a realistic deal to be done. Yeah, I think there probably is a, um, 
a realistic deal to be done. Obviously, it's very, very, very tough when you've got two championship teams chasing him, as as um, as we know. Um, I assume his links with Harris is the reason he's here, to be honest. But he can play a really important role. Um, you know, left back, left midfield, could be a really, really important player the next season and a massive, massive coup, coup if we could get it done. Um, I think I've just seen something tweeted out by BBC Radio Kent from Harris last night and he said that he needs a decision this week. So, fair enough. I mean, you've got to weigh up these things where players are using you for fitness and for pre-season with the option of joining. You know, you don't want them to almost make a mug at you, I suppose, in terms of doing it all pre-season and signing for someone else. But at the same time, if the opportunity is there, opportunity is there for him to work with us, be fit when he comes in, then you want to take it. And I think he's a player that is worth it because he would be a, a really big coup for this level. Even last night, we saw his quality going forward, putting crosses defensively. I think he put in a goal-saving header at one point in the first half where he put a header over his own bar. Um, yeah, it'd be a massive signing. We don't know what's happening. I assume stuff will move quickly in the next few days. If he's got three offers, you know, he'll be wanting to make his mind up soon as well. So we'll probably hear a decision soon. But fingers crossed that it's us, I suppose. And hypothetically speaking, Lewis, if he does join, we've we've made a point quite a few times in you know certainly the last year about left back options. And now since Conor Ogilvie departed for Portsmouth, we've not really had a sustainable left-back that you can rely on. You know, obviously we've had Titondo last year and it's been either Alexander or McKenzie who's had to fit in in that side when, well, I say when Titondo's not been available, even when he has been at times. And I think it's a position that's been an issue for us for a little while now. And then if this Malone deal does come off, it's going to be a head of a difference to what we've been used to the last couple of years where we've got two really steady, probably two of the steadiest left-backs you can have at this level, can't we? Yeah, that's it. It's funny, really. We signed Max Clark thinking that he was going to be, you know, first choice left back week in, week out. Um, a bit of cover. You know, Mackenzie can play there. Alexander can play there. OG can play there. So if he doesn't sign, it's not the end of the world in terms of depth. But if he did sign, you know, we'd have two of the best in the division, really. Um, and it's funny. We've had a couple of years of, you know, Tukonda, who was, you know, there's not much more to say that hasn't already been said about him. Um, you know, Ryan Law, people like that, people coming in that have never really nailed down the spot. And the signing of Max Clark is a fantastic signing. You know, if he's our left back every week, I'm not going to complain. But Scott Malone in there is a quality player as well. And those two fighting for a left back spot would be massive. If Malone wasn't going to play further forward, I think at the minute, especially, there would be a case to play Malone in front of Clark if he was to sign. Obviously, we don't know if that's going to happen, but great problems to have, I suppose. And yeah, I'm sure we'll find out this week. But I think if we were to sign Malone, the defensive sort of side of things is done now. And then we can work on these attacking players. I mean, Malone's good because he covers that left-back role. I mean, we've got a lot of cover in there now with OG signing as well. So it doesn't really matter as much. But having that sort of wide, natural wide player with maybe one more coming in that is a natural wide player. And you've got people that can play out there, you know, Johnny Williams, Dom Jeffries, as we saw last night, Jaden Clark. Really good signing, really good signing. I hope that happens. Yeah, I think I see in terms of Malone, I think it's when you look at it and take away the aspect that is, you know, really 
experienced player and he'd bring a lot to the team in terms of the left back position on its own. I don't think it's a necessity now that we do get Malone in, but I also see it as when you're offered someone of his quality and his caliber and his experience, I just don't think you say no, regardless of whether you desperately need that position filled or not. I think you, players like that in this division, in terms of what we're trying to achieve, I don't, I don't personally think you can say no to that, really. No, I think you're right. It's someone, you know, I was thinking about this earlier on in the transfer window when, when the Ben when the Ben Thompson links were still going, you know, centre midfield is the last position we need right now. But if someone of Ben Thompson's quality became available, do you make the move just to improve on, on what you've got, I suppose? And, you know, someone like Scott Malone, for example, if you had a, if you had three wingers and Mo Salah becomes available, you wouldn't say no because you've got wingers. I know it's not the same calibre of player, obviously, but you want to take that, make that move and be a bit, be a bit progressive. If he was to come in and play as first choice left back, it's very unlucky and unfortunate for Max Clark, who's signed probably think he's going to be that. But you know, that's football competition is is what it is, and um, yeah, I think we'd have two absolutely fantastic left backs on our books if if it happens. Yeah, we certainly would. So let's, um, uh, before we uh, get into the actual sign of, uh, I want to say it's probably a Shadrach OG, I believe is how it's pronounced, um, our newest signing announced last night after the game. Uh, Lewis, let's talk about um, prior to the actual announcement when um, I think it's just before kickoff, a lot of photos started going around. There's been links with uh, Shady OG, which I believe have been rebuffed by Harris last night. I think he actually was quoted. I think, Lewis, you might have put this in our chat, actually. Yeah. Uh, you uh, heard from someone who was at the press that there's not a chance in hell or something like that that we'd sign OG just because it's going to be too much uh, on the money bags for us to uh, get that one over the line. But regardless, we didn't know that at the time. There was a photo going around that a lot of people seemed to be convinced was uh, was him and um, everyone got a bit excited seeing, um, you know, we think we pulled off this, this massive deal, but it, uh, what's that, unfortunately, it just wasn't him. Um, People must have got confused in the 893 Cup or who they saw. There's some people saying that he's definitely there or they're definitely both there, which, you know, <laughs> I get people excited, but obviously it was uh, incorrect. But the actual man in attendance next to Hessen Tyler and Kenny Jacket was um, Shadrach OG, centre half, uh, left footed centre half as well, which fits the calibre of what Neil Harris was looking for, as he's been saying in recent weeks. Uh, signed for an undisclosed three uh, from Leighton Orient, the champions of the two last season, only made 10 or so appearances last year which on the face of it doesn't look too exciting, but then you can't write that with how impressive Orient were last season in terms of, you know, defensive record and, you know, the types of players they had. You know, Omar Beckles, unfortunately, got sent off at our place for them. And there's just a lot of stability in that Orient team where it looks as though OG just might not be able to get back into it. And obviously, he suffered an injury during last season as well, I've been told. So, obviously, it didn't help his, uh, his course to get back into the team. But, the season before under Kenny Jackie, which is where the link comes in, he played 40 times, was nominated for uh, EFL Young Player of the Season uh, for League Two. I'm not sure if he won it, but I think he was certainly nominated. And, you know, he worked under Kenny Jackie as well, which brings the obvious link between uh, him and us to bring him to the Bruce Field. And I think it was a sign in that, I'll be honest, I hadn't recognised the name prior to um, it coming about last night. But having looked a bit more at it, a bit more of a deep dive, and we've seen the comments on and Orient fans to our post last night who seemed to be the vast majority quite disappointed that he's moved on because they saw someone with a got a talent there. But unfortunately for him, given how promising and how good Leighton Orient have been in the centre-half position over the past year or so, it didn't look as though it was guaranteed that OG would get games there. Hence why he's now moved over to us and 21 years old, 
underscores three. If he does well for us, then there could be a, an option to sell on for a bit more money in the future. We don't know that yet. But for now, I think it. the more I look into it, the more I think it's a, it's a good bit of business. We don't know what the fee is, of course. But as I said, Lewis, he fits the bill of what Harris is looking for. Left side of centre-half is a tall man as well. Rapid, apparently, according to late Orient fans, strong as well. So I think it could be one of those signings where, much like Ethan Coleman, really, where no one really had heard of him before we signed him, but he's proved to be a, a shoot signing so far. With more to come from him. I think OG might fit that bill as well. A bit more of a unknown quantity, which could turn out to be a really good pickup. Yeah, someone that's were well, signing, I suppose, it's not really going to grab the headlines, but a good, smart bit of business. I think it was good to... Get that, get that left-sided centre-half in. Um, you know, I would assume still that Max Aimer and Conor Masterson are probably going to be the centre-back preference of choice, but it gives Neil the option of playing a bit more balanced with that left-footed centre-half in there if necessary. He can cover it left-back as well, as we've already said. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good smart signing, a good shrewd signing. You know, I imagine the fee would have been minimal. He... You know, a lot of the time when you see promotion winning teams at the low levels, um, consistency is quite key in selection most of the time. So I think, you know, no no knock on him, especially dealing with an injury as well that he didn't get too many minutes last year. Um, you know, if he didn't didn't get too many minutes in League Two last year, was he gonna get many in League One? Probably not. Still a young lad location wise, it's not too much of a change for him. So I imagine it's it's a good move for, for all parties really. Um you know he's, he's he's there to give us cover at centre back as well. If if one of the one of the two main people went down, I would imagine that he would be next up. I think you know I spoke a little about a little bit about Will Wright earlier. I think with Max and Connor, I think the drop down to Wright is quite noticeable at the, at the minute. Um, so I think OG coming in to I assume provide competition. You know, knocking on the door of that left sided role, which would give a lot of balance. It's not just potentially a different defender coming in. It does change the balance of the team um, as well. And obviously, as I said, cover at left-back. So I think it's a really shrewd signing. Probably, you know, we're done, at, as we mentioned earlier, we're done in defence now, unless we can get Malone in. Um, yeah, quite the saga during the game, trying to work out if it was Ojo or, or OG. Um, similar hairstyle, similar sort of factor as well. But yeah, it was, it was OG and... I think he signed a deal at half-time or something, didn't he? So, yeah, it was nice to get that announced last night. He'd be working with the team. I would imagine he'll be in the squad for the Stockport game and, and at the weekend, and I think it's a nice bit of business. He's a player who can compete now, and he also play play further down the line as well. So, I'm, I'm really happy with it, to be honest. It also puts to bed the uh, rumours of Sean Raggett's arrival, doesn't it? Now, um, I can't see any way in which we bring him in, and we won't need to bring him in now, either with that extra enforcement in, but... We've got that left-sided player that um, Neil Harris is looking for, which is great, and we can now uh, move on with a much sturdy-looking defensive setup, which is obviously what we wanted. There's been a lot of great reviews so far from um, Leighton Orient fans regarding his arrival, and I think that's a good signature to see, isn't it, that people from Leighton Orient are replying, saying, oh, we're not sure we like that he's leaving our club. You know, we had people saying... He was by far our best player on the jacket in 21-22. And in my opinion, I'd still have him starting for us now. Easily has the potential to be a good championship defender in a few years. That's from one Leighton Orient fan. And if we find uh, another one or two, this is another one. Uh, it's an excellent signing. Was excellent under Kenny Jacket in the left of back three. 
can play left side of centre-half in a four and can also play left-back. Strong, athletic, good on the ball, not afraid to take risks, progressive and a good tackler, can make a few mistakes, but then who doesn't? And yeah, someone else saying he's a great player with great potential, just couldn't push into our first team last year due to form, then injury. He played really well under Kenny Jackie at Orion. So the main thing that I'm seeing in terms of a theme, Lewis, is the fact that he played really well and he played his best football under Kenny Jackie, who I'm sure was influential in making this deal happen. And it goes to show again that just because we're not hearing rumours about certain players, uh, the men behind the scene are doing their due diligence. And obviously Kenny's picked this one out, much like I believe Hessen Tyler did with the likes of uh, Jaden Clark. And I think Kenny Jackett also would have looked at even Coleman as well. So they do have an eye for a player and it's another good reason to trust trust their judgment, especially given OG seemingly did play his best football under Kenny. Yeah, we've got this we've got this recruitment team now that Neil Harris was so eager to have uh, when he sort of bought Nicky Shorey in last year when he spoke at the start of last season about having a proper structure to a football club. Um, you know, compared to Premier League teams, I suppose it's nothing, but it's nice to have two players where or two two staff members when their responsibility is to make sure it's running properly behind the scenes and make sure the squad is ready to go for the season and um, you know, I think that's a massive plus that Harris can focus on coaching, which I think is his bread and butter, which I think is what he likes doing most. And yeah, I mean, we saw when Ethan Coleman came in, that's a very Kenny Jacket signing. Um, you know, shrewd eye for a player that's done well for him at Leighton Orient and same with same with OG as well. And you mentioned Jaden Clark there with, with Hess. Um, you know, they've got their connections, they've got past experiences, they've seen different levels and stuff and yeah, they've done their job. You know, Harris has gone, I want a left side of centre-half. They've gone and got the left side of centre-half. So you can't complain, they're doing their job. And I think it's a nice little sign-in as well. So um, big thumbs up and on to the next one, I suppose. Yeah, hopefully the next ones won't be too far away. And talking of which, let's move on to the uh, sort of problem area we have at the minute, if you want to put it that way. And Neil Harris has alluded to it himself as the position we do need to bring in more players. He said last night it will take as long as it takes, but it is a position, uh, positions, I should say, that we are looking to improve and hopefully sooner rather than later we can get those improvements in Lewis and that's in the forward department. We still don't have a natural wide player if you like, someone with that bit of speed and agility like we were mentioning earlier in regards to Corey Baggett Taylor, Charlton. Um, Nico obviously is doing all the hard graft at the minute as the only experienced strike we have at this moment in time, but of course Ollie Hawkins will be back next week so the picture will look a little bit brighter. But regardless of that, we need more firepower in those areas. We need more experience as well. And I think it's critical with only two or so weeks left until the start of the season that we get a move on with those sort of uh, additions. Obviously, by the same county, you don't want to just pick up anyone and any, anyone and everyone just so we can get it done. And there needs to be the right calibre of player. The rumours going around are Josh Mayer and Joe Piggott. Not to say that either of those are happening. We don't know. That's not any sort of exclusive. We're just going by what's been put out in the, the press and things like that. And trying to make a link towards what could possibly be coming through the door in the next week or so at Brucefield. And hopefully it's not too long. But either way, Lewis, it is something that needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed soon, really, because we looked at the game yesterday at Charlton. And as I said earlier, there's a lot of chances we had in that first half where you know, we didn't have someone on the end of the ball. We had a lot of great great balls going into the box. We didn't have someone there to, to put it away and have that final touch. And that can be the difference sometimes between you know, promotion and just missing out, isn't it? Those extra half chances where if you had the sort of calibre player there to put it away could make all the difference. So it's important we do the best we can to get those sort of calibre players in. And 
get them in soon. So we want to get as much pre-season out of them as we can. Yeah, it's quite a curious case, really. I thought that we would probably go into the season after signing Johnny Williams, uh, playing a sort of fluid diamond slash four four two, including Johnny Williams and probably George Lapsley. Um, I think their best position is probably the same position uh, behind the forwards. But I thought that we might play a sort of fluid diamond of Lapsley potentially going deeper and then out wide if you had to. Um, a role that Dom Jeffries I think did very well last season. Uh, but Harris has sort of insisted on playing wide players in pre-season so far, even though we don't really have any. Um, I think Jeffries can certainly do the job. I thought he was really impressive last season on that left-hand side, uh, back end of the campaign. I really liked it there, but I think his best position is still centrally. I think George Lapsley's best position is as a number 10. I think Johnny Williams' best position is as a number 10. Um, yeah, I'm, I was sort of not pulling my hair out because we played some good football, but it's frustrating seeing the lineup with Williams and Jeffries out wide last night because you would love that natural wide player in there. Um, I think in an ideal world, I'd probably sign two, to be honest. But, you know, Malone in there sort of covers that as well if if, it's, if that's not doable for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, wide player is very important, especially with pace, I think. I think, um, you know, if you wanted to play a four four two, for example, you could play Williams and, and Winger. You could play... A four-two-three-one. You could play Williams and winger, for example, or, or Malone and winger, for example. So, yeah, I think one is absolutely essential. Uh, two would be nice, and up front as well. I suppose we're down to two forwards really with Lewis Walker's injury. I thought we'd probably sign one forward who is your sort of goal getter to complete our attack almost. I think Tom Nichols, although he's been adapting his game to play this number nine role the last couple of games, I think he's he likes to come deep and get involved and. Play, play with the ball in that midfield a little bit. Um, I think Ollie Hawkins is your natural target man. I think Lewis Walker was almost your number two, uh, sort of number nine, and then we were going to get a number one, number nine, if you like. And Lewis Walker's obviously now injured. So, again, it would be nice to get a couple, but if that's not doable, then we definitely need one. And as I said, if the season was to start tomorrow, we're probably playing Nichols up front on his own with Bode on the bench. I imagine it will be Nichols and Hawkins together most weeks as it, as things stand but again you want that natural goal getter in there um, you know we we don't know how much work went into to trying to get Alfie May behind the scenes but he would have been would have been that player I suppose and um, we want the player we want a player to do that and like you, like you say you don't want to rush it it's an important it's important to get recruitment right um, I think our recruitment in January was fantastic and um, but at the same time, you don't want to rush it, but you do want to get players in sort of early enough so they can bed with the squad and be ready for that game. You don't want to sign someone on the, on the Friday and then start them at Stockport on the Saturday. So hopefully that moves quickly, especially as the season nears now. I think free agents, if there's any left now, um, will get twitchy, not having a pre-season. Obviously, negotiations with clubs can be long-winded, but yeah, it'd be nice to get a couple of players soon. We definitely need them. Um, a little bit frustrating. We've known it as a problem for a while and it hasn't really been addressed properly yet, but hopefully that can be rectified before the start of the season and we can have you know, a, a full squad ready to go and try and win promotion from this league. Yeah, I think it's important as well, Lewis, to remember the influence of the loan market as well. I think I don't really want to look at a striker in terms of the loan market. I think we do need someone a bit more experienced who knows what a goal is. But I think in terms of a wide player, 
I wouldn't be adverse to looking into the loan market to dip into that one to try and find a a young wide player who's you know might be might be a bit raw but can make the difference in big games. You know, it's all the signing of uh, Scott Banks and the effects he had for Bradford last year looks to be joining um, Stockport on a permanent this summer. Those sort of players that can really come out of the blue, if you like, and make a big difference. So I think in terms of a wide player, I think the loan market, I know it's only one example I've given off the top of my head, but I think it does show that sometimes it can't be the worst option. I'd like to think with the people we've got behind the scenes now, we'd be looking at good loan players who come with good references and can make a big difference as as compared to the loan players we were signing before, you know, like the Tom Dixon Peters, etc. We'd be signing players from, from clubs that we've got good relationships with in the Premier League and Championship even and them entrusting us to, to get the best out of them here and hopefully that can be an option we can look into. No, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. Obviously, we haven't tapped into that market yet. It's not always great to have so many loans because you lose them all at the end of the year and you're back to square one and you have to be quite wary with it because you could always run the risk of falling in love with a loan player that's never going to come back again. But at the same time, at this level, needs must. And, you know, whether you want to use it to plug a hole, if if we've been chasing a wide player that we can't necessarily get, then... You know, the loan market's always there where deals are potentially a bit easier to be done um, with clubs more eager to let go of their players on a temporary basis. So I agree with you with what you're saying with a striker. Nice to get that experienced striker that's ours almost that's, that's finding the back of the net. But at the same time, if it's if it's that or nothing, then I'd rather have rather have a loan striker. But yeah, I suppose that's that's something we can look into. If it's if it has to be done, if you know if the option to have a better loan wide player is there than a permanent, then let me rephrase that. If the option, if we've got two options of wide players, for example, one's a loan player, one's a permanent player, and the loan player is a better player, you know, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to want the loan player because you're going to want the better player. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if we'll look into that, but something that's worth considering if if needs must. Yeah, certainly so, and I think for you, what. How many players do you reckon we need at this point now? Because I think let's just take Malone out of it. Let's just, for argument's sake, let's say Malone's signed. Because as we mentioned earlier, even if he doesn't, I don't think the left back position is one we desperately need anyway. But let's just say, for argument's sake, we signed Scott Malone. So then we've got, for me, I think I think we need two strikers, really, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I'd be okay with two strikers and one natural winger, I think. Because as you mentioned there, Jeffries can play on, on, the, on the wide. Uh, Williams can as well I prefer him not to but I think we have a lot of players who can do a reasonable job as a wide player even though it's not their main position but I do think we would need at least one natural winger out and out winger and I think with um, the striking options it wouldn't surprise me if we just got the one but if that one is you know for example or something like Anumera or Piggott and then you put them with Nichols and Hawkins things look a lot more rosy and you know maybe maybe another one on top of that might be a bit much but I suppose we'll have to see when we go into January as well. But for me, I think I'd probably be looking at another two to three, I think. I imagine you're probably right. Um, if you would assume that we sign Malone, which is no no assumption to make, but just for this, this, this sort of conversation, then I think as well, him being able to play a bit further forward out wide and having those players like Williams, like Jeffries, that can do it, I think one natural winger is an absolute essential. I think one forward is an essential. Um, so definitely, definitely two. And then, yeah, I suppose I suppose you probably want four forwards, but Walker's going to come back eventually. You'd hope. Um, 
you know, Bode is probably going to be, you know, he's always an option if needs be. I think Nichols Hawkins plus one is three great options. You'd probably have two out of three of them starting every week and you'd be happy. So, yeah, one one's an absolute essential in both positions. And then, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say, I probably think you're right, two to three. But I think, you know, at least definitely two because we're screaming out for another forward and another wide player. Yeah, I think we are. So, obviously, as I mentioned, Malone can play there. We've got Jaden Clark who can play there as well. So, there are options, but I think in terms of the strike option, personally, I think we do need someone with the experience and that's going to be interesting to see. Lewis, let me put you on the spot just before we get to the comments and we wrap up. If you were given the option now of Pigot or Romero, who would you go for? Um, <laughs> Joe, I wouldn't really be fussed, to be honest. Maybe Romero. Um, isn't, he meant to be off, isn't he meant to be off elsewhere? Um well, the rumour was last last night, I think we heard that uh, someone put it in our chat that he was off to Carlisle, but apparently that's been checked by a number one Hartlepool source who said it was uh, untrue. So I suppose we don't know, do we? But it doesn't seem as though that was truthful in the end. Yeah, OK. No, yeah, I think I'd rather him. Um, it's, it's a toss of a coin, to be honest. They're almost different players in a way. I think Amara is a bit more powerful, a bit more of a unit. Um, Piggott is perhaps a bit more intricate player, doesn't uh, doesn't have the best, I, I want to say best goal record. I know he did really well at Wimbledon, obviously really well at Maidstone, but I feel like it didn't really work out with Ipswich, did it? Um, I think it's Tottenham Quinn. To be honest, I'd be, I'd be happy with both, but I think I'd go with Mero out of the two, just of how successful he was last year and sort of the difference he would bring to, to Piggott. I think I would prefer him in tribute. Just before we get on to the comments, if uh, anyone listening, if you want to comment down below this podcast, Umera or Piggott, and we'll just have a quick round up and see how many um, see how many uh, votes you put on each one and see what we can make out of that. But for me, I think, Lewis, I think what you mentioned about Umera being powerful, I think he has that strength, I think he has that speed as well. And I think I wouldn't put him above Piggott by much, but I think that combination, I think, can be really effective at this sort of level. And I think that's probably why... I go for him just over Piggott. I think he did seem to down tools a little bit towards the end of the season for Hartlepool. His record dried up a little bit. I thought he was quite impressive at our place in fairness to him. was unlucky to not to get a goal or two, but luck was on our side that day as well as a good performance. But I think just because he didn't finish the season as strongly and Hartlepool obviously as a team certainly didn't, I don't think there's a reason for him to not be considered a good target for us in the position we're in. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I, I, I mean, probably the fee involved um, is, is probably a bit sizable. But I think, you know, it's a position that is quite important to us. It's a position that was worth spending some money on. We saw that if the Alfie May stuff, you know, is all true, we saw that, that we were prepared to pay a fee of sorts. And I think it'd be wise to do that. Um, you know, I, I would take either of them. If either of them signed tomorrow, I'd be happy, to be honest. But I think I'd just rather Romero just with a different sort of dimension he brings compared to Piggott would, would excite me a little bit more and he'd probably bring something that this um, this team's lacking a little bit at the minute, I think. Yeah, just before we get to the comments, someone has just shared a, a post from um, John Askey, who's the Hartlepool manager. It's uh, not really news as such, but it said Hartlepool have turned down offers for Josh Romero, a striker not part of Paul's training cramp in Scotland. Interest still very much there, but obviously a deal hasn't been done yet, so maybe we are part of that. We don't know yet. But um, yeah, it'd be good to be involved in that. Obviously, 
we are looking at four contracted players according to Andy Hesson Tyler, but um yeah, we'll see if that is if that is a feasible one for us. Um Lewis, we'll go through a couple of questions that we've got and then we'll get to the um overall votes that we can see and then we'll head off for this evening. Um the Nathan Swan experience, I say this every time, but what a great name, um, says, will Harris try to tempt Malone with the captaincy as Evans did with Dempsey? Um, for me personally, first, um, I think Kyle, when he came in under Evans, I think there was a big need for a natural leader in that season. And I think Kyle, although I hadn't been too experienced in that um, in that regard, I think he was captain at Fleetwood for maybe the second season, I think perhaps. Um Matt will tell, be able to tell me I have an interview with him because that's where I'm getting that information from, I think, off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if players are so much, especially someone at Scott's age, I don't think he's necessarily going to be tempted by the captaincy to drop two divisions just on the basis of that. I think it will be a case of, I think, Aimer will most likely take over as captain now Stuart O'Keefe's gone and you know, maybe Malone will just be one of those players who's the extra experience around as well, I think. If it was up to me, I'd probably look at Sean Williams as the main captain on the pitch, but then we're not sure how many games he's guaranteed to play with his age this season. But for you, Lewis, do you think Scott Malone is tempted potentially by, sorry, the um, appeal of a captaincy that Harris may have put towards him in terms of maybe tying up this deal? I mean, I don't know if it's an option. You know, I don't know what negotiations are going on. Obviously, they know each other well. We spoke a lot of time about a lot of times about, you know, the project and the sort of direction the club's going in, the amount of, you know, wage fees we can afford now is a lot better than what we could in the past. And I think it's almost certain that Sean Williams will be club captain with Matt Damon as vice captain. But, you know, maybe it's up there. I don't I don't think that would be offered. But, you know, you never know until it, until it happens. OK, Paul Drinking, this is a pretty simple question, Lewis. Um, where would Gillingham finish, champions or playoffs? Um, for me at the minute, I think we're probably on the surface of 7th or 8th, if I'm being honest at this moment in time, about that striker and natural winger. But signing or two can make a whole lot of difference. But for me, I don't think we're we're pushing championship uh, champions level at this moment in time, are we? No, if the season was, say, the transfer window slammed shut tomorrow, I think it probably would be a playoff finish. But get that two, three more players in. I don't see why we couldn't compete to win the league, even though the league will be extremely tough with a lot of big sides and a lot of good sides in it this year. Yep. Uh, Gillingham said I'd die. Um, at try boy Luke says, do you think we will sign Jordan Graham? Jordan, obviously, an ex-player and a free agent still after his release from Birmingham. Um, to be honest, I don't think he'll, he'll be dropping down two divisions at this stage in his career. He might drop one to a high-end League One team. I don't think he'd be going... Any lower than that, I think his, his quality is, is clear to see. He had a great season with us in League One. I don't think he'd be seeing himself, despite you know the love he might have for Gillingham, and he's said as much in the past. I don't think that would really come into his mind in terms of wanting to drop two divisions. I think he's probably looking at a high-end League One side, which I think is, is fair for him. I don't think he's anywhere near a League Two player. He's much better than that. So I think for me, Lewis, Jordan Graham would be a no. Not because I wouldn't want him, obviously. I just don't. I just don't see from his point of view how it would really be something that he'd be that interested in. No, I agree. I think if he was to come, he would be one of, if not the best players in the league. But again, it's two divisions dropped. I think, in my opinion, at his best, he's capable of playing low championship. Um, You know, could there be a situation where maybe he wants to get back playing football again after a tough year at Birmingham? Um, You know, he's probably assuming he'd end up at Stevenage or something if that was to happen. But, yeah, the, the connection he had, I know it was with the fans, but it was more with, you know, he played under Steve Evans and Paul Rayner 
um, none of the players he plays with are here anymore. So I think that connection is, you know, the links are probably gone. You know, Harris, Hezen Tyler, like Jacket had nothing to do with it. So although he's a good player, uh, one, I think the links are gone, and two, I think he's, he's a lot better than our level as well. I was going to say the only the only player left from his time would be Amos. I think that might have been his Bristol Rovers year, mightn't it? Um, Josh Smith says Scott Malone is listening. We we did notice that, yes, um, <laughs> but um, didn't mention it when he was there. Don't embarrass him. Um, uh, someone else just said the story about Shay Ojo and Cardiff. Neil Harris saying I've seen us linked to Shady Ojo from Cardiff. Never in a million years. Um, yeah, not like, not looking like that one. Uh, Mark Morgan says. Fort Malone had great leadership abilities in the back line last night. I think he did indeed. Uh, lots of votes coming in um, in terms of the Piggott and Emera debate. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, Kenny says it's going to be a really tough league next season, so two more strikers needed with Walker injured. Um, because I think we've said ideally we want two. I think my problem is when Walker will be back, which will be you know just before-ish december time, I think, and then we'll be heading into the January window. So I think by then it will be... Okay, so if we haven't got one, at least we don't have long long to go before we can act on that. And unfortunately, as much as I'm a big Lewis Walker fan, as you may know, um, I, I don't have much um, much faith on the current evidence that he will be able to shake off his injury issue. So I think we're both in agreement that if we could, we'd get two strikers in during this window. But I think, if I'm being honest, I think it's probably more likely to be one. What do you think? Yeah, I think in an ideal world, it would be two. Um if Walker's going to carry on struggling with injuries, you know, a lot of people questioned whether he was, sorry, I mean, this is sort of slander for you, but question whether he was up to it anyway um, in this new era, but could he play second fiddle to our number nine or fourth fiddle to our forward positions? Yeah, probably. But, you know, if he's going to be injured as well um, and you ideally want the two young lads to go out on loan, you'd probably want two. You'd want a number nine natural goal scorer, maybe a backup. Um, yeah, I think, You'd want to. I think one is probably realistic. I'd be, I would be staggered if we started the season or ending transfer window at least without a new striker. Um, but I'd also be quite surprised if there were two. Um, maybe in, you know, maybe there was a loan or someone to work with, sort of as we had with Trish and Abraham's last year potentially. But yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to. But I think there probably will be one at this point until January at least. We never know. Scott Cash gets still available. Never heard of him, mate. Yeah. I don't think we will be going into the new season with the same strikers we've got now, just on the basis that Harris has been very, very keen to mention that we need to improve in that area. And I think he's... I'd like to think he'd only be saying it so regularly if um, there wasn't things in the works. But, um, yeah, Daniel says, saw Billy Sharp is still a free agent. Is he a viable option? Quick and quick, quick answers to that one. No. Um, <laughs> let's not um, dwell any more on that one. No offence to you, Daniel, but... I think that's the last one that's come straight off the Jules Forum, that sort of suggestion. Um, David Miller says, um, where do you see Dom, Jeff- Dom Jeffries fit in? Lewis, it's actually quite an interesting question where we're talking about the options we have in midfield now and players who have played a bit wider due to not having a natural winger. You know, we've talked about the rise of Ethan Coleman. Sean Williams will be able, able to play as many games as we'd like him to. They're a bit further up. You've got uh, Timmy Dieng, you've got George Lapsley, Johnny Williams, who are both are not going to want to play centrally as well. There's probably someone missing even in this. Josh Chambers coming into the fray as well. And then, obviously, Dom Jeffries, who was Young Player of the Year last year, scored that great goal in Como, had a really impressive campaign, especially from January onwards, like many others. Um, I suppose the best way to, to word this question at the minute, Lewis, is with everything that we've got at the minute in midfield, and it is quite a stacked midfield, is Dom Jeffries in your starting eleven at Stockport at this moment in time? 
Uh, me personally, yeah. First of all, because um, we don't have any wide players, and I think he's probably the best best option we've got out there at the minute. I thought in my head, I don't know if this was just me trying to think of things myself. I mentioned earlier on in the podcast that I thought we were going to go with a fluid sort of four four two diamond. It would be, you know, Williams, Sean Williams slash Coleman, Dieng, uh, because Harris faced with Dieng a lot last year. Uh, Johnny Williams, and then probably George Lapsley, and you're probably then looking at Williams at the tip and bottom, and then Lapsley and Dieng one side. And I thought in that sort of system, Dom Jeffries, I think, is perfect because. George Lapsley is a great player. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet at Gillingham. Hopefully we do this year. Dom Jeffries, I thought, was a lot more effective on that sort of left-hand central half-space role, if you like. And I, I'm a big fan of Dom Jeffries. I think, you know, if there's a 4-4-2 and we get a couple of wide players in, you know, there's a lot of competition in there. Um, as we mentioned earlier, when, when we were talking about signing, well, when I was talking about the Ben Thompson thing, there's so much competition in there. He'll definitely have a massive role to play. You know, last year was his first year in professional football. I think he did fantastically. I think he'll be another vital member of the team. In my opinion, yes, he's in our best eleven at the minute. Subject to change. But yeah, massive, massive fan of him. And, you know, maybe he doesn't fit in from the start to, to get going, but I think he could definitely definitely force his way in. And if he does start, he's someone that could stick around as well because I think he's a fantastic player that's improving all the time. Yeah, I think the quality of Dom is, is obvious to see. He doesn't win the on-player of the year for nothing last year. I think he was excellent January onwards and one of the better players when he was fit in the, in the months before that as well. Obviously, he struggled with injury at the start of the campaign. But I think he will be in and around the team very frequently this year. I think he'll be starting more often than not because I think he's someone that Harris really likes. And Harris always obviously already praised him quite a lot in the last year or so since he's been here. And I think he is a key part of what we're trying to build younger player he's got that year of EFA experience behind him now and I think this might be an even better year for him than it was last year so don't ask me who he comes in for because at this moment I don't have a clue but I think Dom will be someone who plays a key part this year um, David Flintoff says he said he wanted Piggott when he found out he was released so he's sticking with that in terms of the Piggott O'Meara debate uh, he also says would we'll have to see a sign Malone even when ball went out he was talking an organising defence experience would prove virtual um, I think it means vital there Um Dave Miller again says, don't we need homegrown player on the bench so we can name a full com- complement of subs? Uh, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure on the rules of the subs. I remember, I can't remember what game it was last year where we made a fourth sub in a different window. I think it might have been crew and that became a thing for a couple of days. But um, yeah, I'm not sure in terms of the homegrown player. I think maybe it, you would be looking at someone like Holtman play, Holtman play, Holtman, Holtman, maybe. Uh, the sub third choice goalkeeper, maybe Josh Chambers forces his way onto the bench, and I think that's not out of the realms of possibility. I think he has uh, been quite impressive in his opening few preseason games. We look forward to seeing more of him. Obviously, had a really prosperous campaign at Worthing last year, and they narrowly missed out in the Conference South playoff finals as well. I think to Oxford City it was. So, I think there's a lot to work with in terms of Josh and his is a. Uh, way of forcing his way into the team. I think we'll see him more amongst the first team next year than perhaps with all some other players. So I think that's a lot to look forward to uh, in terms of him. And um, Jules Lebad says, I think I will be uh, one out and out forward, centre forward, then another who can play across the front line. Danny Lloyd is still a free agent. Um, Lewis, Danny Lloyd. Thoughts? Thanks, mate. Nice build up to that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd take him. I mean, you know, he had his, you know, he had his antics on social media or whatever. But if we're if we're taking him as a footballer, 
I think I take him. He's someone that came in at a tough time for us. Um, obviously, stay was cut short through injury. Ended up going back up north. Got relegated. Um, I don't know. He's not a wide player, is he? Again, he's a sort of player who you're probably sort of saying their best position is number ten, and we don't really need that. He's not. You know, he's he's someone that can play across the front line. Don't get me wrong. Maybe that's an option. Maybe you could have someone like Lloyd and another winger out wide. Wouldn't be the worst decision at all. I think he's a good player at this level. And I think he'd, he'd be a good addition to the squad. Not sure he's exactly what we need, but I'd, I'd welcome it, I think. I think he could do a number of roles. I'd, I'd welcome it, to be fair. I'm not sure if that's a popular answer or not. I think he splits opinion quite a lot between Jules fans. I think he's probably more of a left midfield type player, more than a natural left winger, if that makes any sense. Um, I know Harris was obviously keen on him. He said um, just before the Ipswich game that Danny Lloyd is a player that will thrive in a Neil Harris side. And obviously we didn't get to see that because the injury happened just a few days later at Portman Road. And that was the uh, the end of his dual career, unfortunately. Um, he's not someone I've really thought of, to be honest, in terms of all these names we've been throwing out. But I think if it gets to the point where, you know, the options are quite limited and, you know, by no means is Danny Lloyd my first choice, I've got to be honest. But I think if we did end up with him, I'd be looking at it thinking, well, he wasn't my first choice, but at least we know what he's about and we know he can offer something to us. He was probably Rochdale's best player in the second half of the campaign for them, obviously a treacherous campaign in the end for them. And it's it's one where I wouldn't be totally against it. Obviously not my first choice, but again, if it did happen and we were left with him, I wouldn't be looking at it and thinking, what's happened for us to end up here? I'd be thinking it's a, it's a good good option to have wasn't my number one, but I'll, I'll take it. I'm not got any any worries with it at all. But um, yeah, Paul says Graham dropping two divisions. It's on money and what the club's ambitions are. Paul Mullen dropped two divisions to non-league. Now look at the respect he has, and also Amira as striker. Yeah, I think it's, I know we have got a lot of money behind us now, but I think when you compare it to Wrexham, you know Wrexham, for example, they're on a US tour at the minute. They're about to play Chelsea and a Galaxy in Manchester United, which I think is ridiculous preparation for them in terms of going into a League 2 campaign, but that's another discussion. But I think that goes to show the, the money they have in comparison to even some of the more well-off teams in League 2, which I put us into that category and, you know, we'll see. But I don't really see Jordan Graham, as we've just discussed with, with Lewis, dropping down uh, two divisions. I don't think it really makes much sense for him to do that. But if he wants to, I won't say no. Um, before we head off, um, Umera is probably just about winning the uh, the debate, if we like, at the minute. Um Tony Woodrow says, I think a back three is possible. Um, Lewis, let's have a quick talk about that before we before we head off. Um, if we were to go to a back three, how do you reckon that would look for you? Because I sort of see it in my head as you'd have Eamon Masterson, obviously, and then you'd have probably OG or Wright. You'd have to say OG at this point because then we bought him for goes three, unless the idea perhaps is... I was talking about it yesterday before it was revealed it was OG that maybe... Harris had an idea of tinkering with playing Max Clark as a left-sided centre-half, which he can play, and then use him alone if he did sign hypothetically to be that left wing-back. But I think it would probably look like Clark or Malone on the left side, which would then mean we'd have to go a bit more, well, less less width further up, I think, if you want to keep that sort of stability. And then you'd have OG, Aimer and um, Marston with then either Alexander or McKenzie on the right-hand side. Um I think it's good that we have enough players to make that a realistic option, but I don't think it's the formation I want to see us go with. But I guess it's a good sign that we can be a bit more diverse in the formations we go with, depending on how a game's going or how you want to approach a game. Yeah, it's an interesting thought of what it would look like. Um, 
I think, you know, I really want Will, Will Wright to work. His best position is probably sort of like what Conor Ogilvy was before he really sort of excelled as a left-back. His best position is probably right centre-back in the three, whereas Ogilvy would have been the left side. But I think, yeah, Masterson, Aimer and OG, you know, Malone slash Clark and Alexander slash McKenzie, you know, the options are there, but it's not going to happen. Neil Harris said, you know, when he came in and he went to that back three uh, when we were in League One, you know, he said he'd never played one before. Um, I was a bit closer to the club then um, in terms of work experience and he, he, he hated it. He, like, he, I got the vibe from him that he just could not wait to get away from playing it really and in League Two last year he just didn't want to play it and I don't think it's anything I'll go to. He has, he has gone to it on occasion, sure, and I'm sure he'd be open to it flexibility-wise. You know, he's still learning as a manager as well. He said that before, but it's never, never, you know, I mean, never say never, but it's never going to be his first pick. But yeah, we've got plenty of options if he was going to. That'd be quite an interesting thought, really. I wouldn't be against it to, at times. Maybe we've got a couple more before we let you go, Lewis. Um, pretty simple one. I think we, we know each other's answers this, uh, for this one. It's ideal striker signing before Stockport. I think I would go... At this moment in time, as I said earlier, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, I think Josh Romero would be my, my top target at this moment in time. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think so as well. Um, we had we had lists um, we did on the sort of look back live about potential strikers. You know, Alfie May, Matty Taylor, all gone now. Um, yeah, I think Josh Romero, you know, he probably would have been high up my list anyway, even when everyone else was available. So I think that would be a really good, really good, striker to bring it in and I think he'd be top of my list as well. Yeah, it was a shame about Matty Taylor. He was one I was quite keen to get on but I actually didn't have a clue that he... Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you knew this, Lewis. It came quite a surprise to me but then I didn't really check up on Matty Taylor's past career that he played for uh, for a screen back, back when it was called the Blue Square Conference. I think it was in 2009 to 10 or something like that. So he's rejoined there. Did you know that? No, the most I knew of him was I, I knew a... Um, an Oxford fan and a Bristol Rovers fan while I was at uni and they just used to argue about him going to and fro those two those two clubs. I didn't know that he had he had history for a screen, no, so fair enough. I'm, I'm glad you're honest because I, I was about to call you a massive liar if you said yes because no one would know that. <laughs> yeah, no, no idea. Okay. Uh, so it'd be very surprising if we signed Jordan Graham. Yep, I think it would be. Got to be a mirror for me. I think whether it's possible. Danny Lloyd's quality when at Jewels reminds me a little bit of Johnny Williams, to be honest. Um, uh, comments coming in. A lot of votes on either Umero or Pig. I think Umero is quite clear at the minute in this moment in time. Um, does anyone know what happened to Disco Dave? Uh, no, unfortunately. Um, I think Dave is, last time I saw he was doing his own individual training videos on his Instagram, but as far as I'm aware, he hasn't got a club at this moment in time. But yeah, unfortunately, that's um, not something for us to worry about anymore. Dave Tondo is no longer a Gillingham player. Uh, for wingers and number 10 slash cams, I would have liked Dan Kemp for us, but obviously he's moved Swindon on loan for last season. I think it is important that we do sign actual wingers, because I think the last thing we need is a number 10, because we've got so many players that can play there now. I think... Dan Kemp was one of my options at the beginning of the season. Had we not signed Johnny Williams, I think he would have been a great foil to have. But I think it's uh, obviously not going to happen now that he's joined Swindon Bowl. So I don't think it's a position that we need. Uh, Emlyn says, I've joined late. Not sure if anyone has mentioned Dom Telford be a great addition for me. Uh, Lewis, I think when we mentioned earlier about 
you know, Alfie May and um, Tom Nichols being a bit too similar. I think people would label the same argument towards Dom Telford and Tom Nichols. Obviously, they're very good friends. If you if you follow um, Tom Nichols' Instagram, they're on that most of the time. And obviously, they played together at um, Corley Town. I think in terms of a realistic option, I think it is definitely up there because I think from his point of view, the way Corley are going at the minute, I think the last three signings or so have been from you know the eighth tier, eighth tier of um of the English pyramid. I've seen they've had trialists. Uh, throughout the pre-season who have just been players that they've released and then just brought back to come and be trialists again for whatever bizarre reason so I think in terms of relegation favourites at the minute I think Corley are definitely in that discussion so I think if someone wants to come in for Tom, Tom Telford and offer a, a decent enough free for Corley I think he'd be more than willing to get out of there but I think the obvious um, problem with that is you know as much as he's a good goal scorer we would be having the argument of is he a bit too similar to Nichols what do you reckon Lewis? Yeah, you mentioned him to me yesterday, actually, at the game, about him being achievable, um, attainable. He's, who knows what's going on with Crawley, honestly. They are such a mess. I feel so sorry for their fans. But you'd imagine that they would be listening, willing to listen to offers. you imagine he'd be re- reasonably keen to move. Get somewhere with Nichols, as you said. Knows where the net is. Um, yeah, he's, he's probably not as physical as we would like in a forward, but he could do a lot worse at the same time. Um, you know, I'd certainly welcome it, but I think I'd still still prefer other options at this point in time. But I think that is something like that is achievable. Yep, just to the point, um, Tony Woodrow says Telford and Nico are clones, which are, I think, yeah, I'm sure Nico I might be saying, as as someone who's similar myself, I think Dom Telford's got a much better hairstyle. He's obviously worked for that a long time. It does take a long time as well. So before we head off... Um, couple of few things to just let you know about um oh, I'll get one, one final comment so these are we've been really busy today with comments which we really appreciate we've got god knows how many um but we've had a lot of people listening to this live tonight which is very much appreciated um it's been a really impressive show in terms of views so thanks for that um just trying to get through the ones we missed there Jules and buzz says umera for me stepped up to the national league level in 21 22 with 17 in 43 games then did it again going into league two with 15 and 47 in a poor Hartlepool side would offer out-and-out pace and power that we lack, particularly top-end. Wouldn't be unhappy with Pickup, but think he'll offer similar traits to Hawkins rather than something a bit different. I think that's my big um, issue with Pigot or Rory per se, is just that I think he might be a bit too similar in regards to Hawkins and uh, potentially helping him along the way. Um, Al Thompson mentions a good name, actually. Omar Bogle is a player who has worked under Harris and Jacket. I think Harris would have been Cardiff, I think, if on top of my head. And... Jackie, I'm not sure, maybe Portsmouth. Um, not saying he would be what we need, but wouldn't surprise me if we went in for him. I will say he is someone that, even if he's not coming here uh, or we're looking at him, I'm quite surprised there is that he has stayed at Newport because he had a really prosperous campaign last year. He ended it with a, a goal against himself, so winning goal at Priestfield. And I don't think he's someone we're looking at or I haven't heard or there's not been any rumours that we are looking at Omar Bogle specifically as a player to come in. But either way, I think it is a bit you know, because obviously we saw Dan Ajayi is sort of a similar player in a sense, leave crew this summer to go to Leighton Orient. I believe, I think it, even if we aren't in for him, it is a bit surprising that a player like Omar Bogle is um, is seemingly sticking around at Newport after quite a good season last year. Yeah, I suppose he's been around the block a bit, isn't he? He's tried, tried at a higher level, hasn't necessarily succeeded, but at the same time, I've seen him in link with a move away. You know, maybe if a, if a decent offer went in for him, then maybe he would would be on the move. Um, uh, he wouldn't be near the top of my list of targets personally, but I, you know, could do a lot worse at the same time. 
Um, there's still options out there for that forward position that we need, even though there are fewer than there were at the start of the off-season. Um, yeah, I suppose it is quite a surprise that, that he is staying there, but I think at the same time, he, maybe they're just waiting for the right sort of right sort of offer per se, and maybe that, you know, maybe he will end up in a jail shirt, who knows. Yeah, I wonder wonder what uh, Tom Dixon Peters are doing this summer. See if we can get him get him back, see what he's up to. Um pause. more comments now. Pause. Pardon? I said pause. You started talking about Tom Tom Dixon Peters. Uh, some of the, Carl Spencer who's been commenting a lot tonight he's been very quick to bring us news articles and if we're talking about a player we must have spoken about Omar Bogle about 30 seconds ago and he's already tweeted us saying that rumours going around that Omar Bogle is going to leave the club that club being Newport of course nothing to suggest there's more than baseless rumours at the moment but if there is any truth to it we're in more trouble than we first thought that's from a count called Newport County Forts um, whether they know much about it or not I'm not really entirely sure but that could be something that we're looking at. Who knows? Um, Tommy says Rob McKenzie is tuning in. Of course he is. Rob, Robbie loves the channel. Um, but yeah, Lewis, I think that's going to wrap it up. Actually, no, it's not. I've got to do another James reminder me to do a reminder earlier. I've already forgotten. Um, okay. So, as some of you may have heard uh, tweet out the other day, not that you can hear a tweet. It's getting late. We've been doing this for a while. Um, we are doing a giveaway uh, this week for the brand new Gillingham kit. So when we hit 2,000 followers, which if I just check, we're about 47 followers away, I believe. If 1963 is 47 away from 2,000, I hope it is. Otherwise, I look like an idiot. Um, but yeah, once we hit that landmark, we are going to be giving away a shirt from the upcoming season. It can be whoever whoever wins it can choose whichever one they want, whether it be the home one, the black and white away, or the pink uh, third kit. All you have to do is follow us and retweet the tweets that is on our page at the minute. I'm just going to make it our pinned tweet for the time being so everyone knows where it is. And if you haven't entered, you can now go and do that. We have around 250 or so entrants at this moment in time, so there's a lot of competition. And obviously, whoever wins it, can uh, pick up whatever colour shirt they want. We will be requesting, if possible, that whoever wins it do meet us at the stadium rather than postage and things like that, just because it's a lot more easier to do uh, logistically and things like that. And we can do the picture and the giveaway and whatever else. So do enter that. And uh, if you want to win yourself a Jill shirt, maybe you bought one already this season, but maybe you bought the home one. This is a good chance for you to get the away one. So do get involved and hopefully you will be a winner of a new kit for the upcoming season. Um, once we hit 2,000... Um, 2,000 followers will be doing the draw and then um, depending on when we do hit that it'll probably be by the time when our next podcast I'd hope and then we can do a giveaway um, on the podcast and we'll say who won and then we can arrange pickups and things like that so if you want to get involved uh, please do so you can now find it as our pinned tweet on our profile so for the chance to win a signed Jill's shirt you can get involved the rest of you uh, have you entered? No mate I didn't know I could enter to be honest but um, I will be, will be doing it if I can in this 37, not 47. You can if you want. I won't pick you, but you can do it. All right, mate. I will, just for the... Uh, if you <laughs> ask me. Well, I'm, I'm not going to be doing the draw. We're going to get um, a special guest to do the draw, so I won't actually have any control of that. So maybe you will win, who knows? But then people might claim corruption, so maybe not. If I win, I'll um, we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, we'll give away another shirt. But um, yeah, Lewis, we've been going for about best part of an hour and a half tonight um but a very enjoyable show lots to talk about of course um 
thank you very much for your time. And uh, obviously, Matt's unfortunately was was with us earlier, but I think his connection um, seemed to have dropped off a bit. He did mention he was working, so you know it's good to have him around. Um, Matthew Taylor, not the one who's just signed for um, Forest Green at Fort, she says. What do you think of the Piggott rumour? Uh, just to tie it up, Matt, before we head off. Um, we both think he'd be an okay option. We prefer Umera, but we think Piggott, if he was to join, wouldn't be the worst option in the world. But we have talked a bit more in depth on this podcast, which is about to finish. So if you want to listen back, you can get more of the, our opinions on Piggott, Umera and loads of other options. But um, yeah, I need to stop now before I keep blabbering on and more comments coming through. Um, but yeah, thank you for all your support tonight, guys. Lots of uh, great comments, lots of great engagement. Um, fortunately, Matt, did cut off near the end, as we said, but we'll get him back on next time for more discussions. Uh, Lewis, thanks for the last hour and a half or so. Lots of in-depth discussion, and I'm sure we'll be back on very, very soon to discuss um, more jewels-related content. Are you, um, are you at Dartford this Saturday? Yes, I'll be at Dartford. Looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, cheers for cheers for tonight, everyone. Good chat. Very much, very much enjoyed it. Right, we'll be back sometime next week. We're not entirely sure yet, but we'll see when we'll see. Um, but yeah, until then, thanks to everyone for watching. Do get involved in the giveaway and up the jewels. Good night.